What a powerful name that is. His name is Jesus. Cheap as that's a, it's a well-used name and a well-abused name. But it's the most powerful name in the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there. He's not a created being like we are. He's not an afterthought. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have always coexisted. It's a very difficult theological reality to express the Trinity in words. But Jesus is a name to be reckoned with. And we're here this morning to celebrate that He's not dead, but alive. This message this morning has got the potential to alter the course of your history. I'm absolutely on a buzz at the moment with the regards to the power of preaching. I've always been a preacher as long as I can. I've been preaching most of my adult life. But I'm on a bit of a quest at the moment because I've just got a renewed sense of, um, it's not urgency, it's a renewed sense of wonder and awe at what God does when we preach His Word. Listening to this message this morning and responding to it can crack open the hardest heart. Listening to the Word of God being read in your presence can unlock spiritual dimensions around your life that you're not even aware of presently, but you'll become aware of them because God wants you to know Him not to know about Him, but to know Him. At about eight o'clock this morning, this message changed names. I've had all sorts of ideas about what I'm preaching about this morning, but this message is now a question. Does your Jesus live in a museum? And we're gonna find out what I've got on my heart about that in a moment. Let me pray before we sit down. Heavenly Father, every eye, every heart, every mind, switched on to hear something from heaven this morning. We pray the wonder of the resurrection, the power of God that moved Jesus from being a corpse in a tomb to being alive and well, whole, resurrected, a brand new creation, seated in heaven with you right now, sent His Holy Spirit to planet Earth after this resurrection event so that we can know and meet you. I pray, Lord, today that we would have a meeting with you in this place no matter where we are in the journey of discovering how big you are, how awesome you are, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Tap your neighbour and say, I'm ready. Now have a seat. You guys can have a seat. <laughs> Had a few ideas about how to try and get some analogies in place here this morning to help you. Um, so I'll, I'll start where I think I'm starting and we'll see how we go. Um, just a couple of things to keep in mind where this line of thinking is coming from. During this week, a couple of things happened in the world that were challenging for some people. Uh, the Notre Dame in Paris caught fire and essentially the timber part of it burned to the ground. Um, Europe was up in arms about an iconic building and uh, some other things being possibly destroyed. So that was, that was very newsworthy. Uh, we'll revisit that in a moment. And I don't know if you are a person, I, I spend a lot of time reading um, digital versions of the news media just to keep abreast of what's going on on the planet. 
During the week, there was a, an article that depicted a, a, a painting of Jesus that a pub in Sydney had decided would have a little bit of a joke about the meaning of Easter and a little play on words. And uh, Jesus got hammered for his, uh, his sins. Um, so why don't you come to our pub and get hammered? We're open on Good Friday and there's a picture of Jesus looking all holy as it's one of these older pieces of artwork holding a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And the first thing I looked at, I thought, oh, that's pretty offensive. You know, that's pushing the boundaries of friendship, especially in Easter Holy Week. Um, and if it had been just that, <clears throat> you kind of go, yeah, they're, they're just pushing the boundaries, but what do you expect for where this hotel is located in Sydney and the clients that would be frequenting it? It's kind of up their alley, um, so to speak. And, uh, but as the week progressed... Like at the moment, it doesn't matter, I think, wherever you might find people on the spectrums of political or ideological views about life, there are nutcases out there, just saying. So people start posting on social media, we're going to go to that hotel and burn it to the ground. They started writing fake food reviews about the food having rat sack in it and there's rats in the back of the kitchen and that... The, it's and supposedly by people who are followers of Jesus. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Something's not right here. What is this deal? And I began to realise that the picture of Jesus belongs in a museum. But he's not in the museum. He's alive. First time I saw that painting, I thought I was a little, I kind of like, yeah, you try putting up a picture of one of the Hindu gods in India, in some parts of India, and, and see, seeing the sun go down at the end of the day. You wouldn't. There are other parts of the world with other religious persuasions where the same thing, you'd just be like, you'd be a brave soul doing that. Thing is, it's not the point. The point is, any other god you could possibly name, they aren't here. They aren't alive. Jesus is not in that painting. He's alive. And I started thinking, well, so I'm offended about seeing a cigarette in his hand and a beer in the other in this picture. I should be offended about the fact that he wasn't a white guy with blue eyes. He didn't have a halo around his head. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He didn't look like sweet little innocent kind of picture of ooh, pastely skin. His face was butchered. He was whipped beyond the recognition of being human and hung on a cross and executed. I'm thinking, oh, maybe the fag and the beer in his hand's not so off the, off the charts after all, because the whole painting's offensive. Getting back to Notre Dame. It's like we've been there, we've had a look in Notre Dame, it's a phenomenal building, but it is just a building. Jesus doesn't live in the Notre Dame. The people of God, when they gather there, he manifests his presence, I've got no doubt, and that happens. There's a worshipping congregation in that church. Um, and uh, it's not our business to say what, if anything, is going on in there in that regard. But I, don't, I do know this. The roof and the walls of that building, Jesus is not in them. Huge hullabaloo about the so-called crown of thorns that's stored in that. Oh, my gosh. If you've done a tour of the cathedrals of Europe, you would know every cathedral in Europe claims to have something from the Holy Land 
in this casket. We went to the one in Prague, I think, in the Czech Republic. They've got a shin bone or a hip bone or a, like some bone of one, like St. Peter or somebody. And it could be a camel's jaw for all we know. But it's in this glass case and this massive silver casket. It's like we've got this holy relic from the Holy Lands. My point is, I've got, if that's important to some people, I'm not having a go at them. But what I'm wanting to say is all of these things, including artwork. So there's incredible works by Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. I mean, talk about commitment and adoring God. The man was completely besotted by the grandeur of heaven and the universe and what God's done. So not questioning his motives at all. But what I think sometimes the artistic side of what we do, once it becomes established in a place that becomes sacred, we relegate Jesus to a museum. Those things become more important than he is. So all of a sudden this crown of thorns, my personal view is the chances of that being the crown that was on Jesus' head is Buckley's and none. But we can't prove it one way or the other. That's not the issue. The issue is it's now a sacred relic, but Jesus isn't in the relic. You don't need to go and touch the relic to meet Jesus. You just need this morning in this meeting to say, Lord, come into my life. And he's that close. He doesn't need you to be going on a, on a pilgrimage to kiss, uh, kiss things. Oh my gosh, in Czech Republic on the Charles IV Bridge, there's all these saints lined up there and some of them, they've actually been taken away and cleaned up because they got all sooty and grotty. And, uh, but there's a couple on there that have got some brass parts on them. In fact, the whole thing, some of them is brass, some of them are stone, but some are brass. You see people of all walks of life, all nationalities, colour, creed, whatever, they walk up and they kiss this flipping statue. And it's like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, it's like there's this sense of desiring to connect with something sacred, but they're connecting with a lump of brass. Jesus isn't in the brass. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not in the relics. He's not in the paintings in whatever museum you could go and find photographs. And the cathedrals, some of the cathedrals in Europe have got the most phenomenal artwork depicting the, the story of the cross, the story of creation. The, the stained glass windows in the Notre Dame apparently depict a whole bunch of the story of, the, of the Christ, what Christians believe about the goodness of God. I've got no problem with us having all of that record there in front of us to remind us, but they should not become sacred because he's not there. He's not there. He's here. Little old Handorf on a Sunday morning. He's here. Oh, and he's down the road. Lutheran Church. He's over the hill at Mount Barker. He's down the hill in the city of Adelaide, Parkside even. Right? For those who don't know, we're planning a new church down on Parkside later in the year. That's why I just threw that one in. <laughs> Jesus will be down there as well. We started um, our thoughts for today back at a spot called Very Truly, I Tell You, a phrase that Jesus spoke regularly. You know, um, right now in the, in the media, there's a lot of reference to fake news. Let's just call that what it is, lying Funny that the people who lie get upset about the lying media. Just saying. It's like, uh, it's kind of like, hang on a minute, don't you tell lies all the time? 
Anyway. Um, but Jesus made a point of saying, very truly I tell you. Why would he have said that? Because lying has always been part of the mix of broken humanity. The devil in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 lied from the outset. There's a lying spirit that is alive on planet Earth. It captures most of our hearts for most of our lives, one way or another. It's a journey of kicking that sucker out of our world when we meet him, who is the one who said, very truly, I tell you. He said it because of this verse in particular. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, one of his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He didn't say, you'll find some truth in me. If I choose to tell the truth, it'll be good for you. He can't choose to do anything else but tell the truth. He can't choose to be anything else but the truth because he said, I am the truth. The problem is we buy into all kinds of half-truths and lies because we live around it all the time. But Jesus is not like that. In fact, you can read lots of accounts, and this one that we just shared with the children a moment ago on the road to Emmaus, um, I won't read all that because we saw that so well uh, read by Beck and visually presented with the help of the Bible Society material that we found today. Um, but I want to pick up in chapter 20, what are we in? Chapter 24 of Luke's Gospel, verse 25. So this is Jesus responding to two guys who are completely confused about what's happened. Their rabbi has been arrested, betrayed, betrayed then arrested, tortured, executed, and now there's some weird stories going around that he's not in the tomb. Just put yourself in that context. It's very hard to do because we live knowing what actually happened. They had no idea what had happened. They were totally bemused, confused, flabbergasted. You might find yourself here this morning completely confused, flabbergasted, and not really sure what to make of this stuff about Jesus. It might be that he's a person you've read about. You might be a person who's read your Bible and you know a whole lot about him, but you haven't actually met him. He doesn't want, like I said about, does Jesus live in a museum? A sadder question is, does Jesus just live in the pages of the Bible? So he actually is just a character that you read about when you read the Bible, and that's where he stays. He doesn't want to stay in the Bible. He wants to get in your heart. He doesn't want to be a, a person that you know about, that you've read, whether you've read other historical records or you're just getting all your information from the Bible. Knowing about him is not the same as knowing him. So um, just another example I want to show you. If um, you came to my place in Littlehampton and walked in my front door into my lounge room, you'd find three pieces of artwork on the wall, three walls. One wall, it's got a picture of this huge range of mountains in Canada. And at the bottom, it gives away where it is. It's the Banff National Park and Lake Louise. Been there, most incredibly beautiful place. It reminds me of being there. But I, my point is, I've been there. You might walk in and have that, wow, where is that? That painting is phenomenal. And the dead giveaway is, it's in Canada. Well, that might then elicit a response, that's on my bucket list. Wow, look at that. Those mountains must be huge. 
And you could get all enthusiastic about the picture and then walk out the door and forget about it and never, never, ever change anything in your life to go there. I changed something in my life to go there. Now I've got the painting to remind me of a place I've been. I've got no problem with the painting of Jesus reminding me of where he was and reminding of me what he did for me. But Jesus isn't in that painting on our wall. It's a phenomenal painting of him being crucified that Pastor Phil Pringle painted for us. But he's not, there's not any lip marks over there. I don't see any of our members running over there every week and kissing that photograph because it's holy. But that's what it can become. It can become a sacred treasure that we actually begin to lean towards that and not towards him. I've got another picture on my wall. Another wall in that room is a photograph of the Charles IV Bridge and the Prague Castle on the hill. Same thing again. We've been there a number of times, which is an absolute blessing. We're so grateful for that. But it's on my wall because it reminds me that I've been there. It's not on my wall as a vision. I'm going to go there one day. It wouldn't be a bad thing if it was. But for you, if you haven't been there, it might be that that same painting, which reminds me of having been there, is an inspiration to change something, mainly your financial plans, to save up to get yourself over there so you can go, oh, I've been on that spot too. Because it is pretty remarkable. Czech Republic's awesome. One of the heart foundational countries of the development of Protestantism. Czech Republic, uh, John Huss preceded Martin Luther, by 100 years, as a reformer, he got burned at the stake in the town square of Prague uh, in 1457, I think it was, and Luther was 1517, so about 60 or 70 years. He, he's, um, Czech Republic's awesome. Hope I'm stirring you up. <laughs> Not to just go, well, that's great information, Pastor Bruce. Oh, it's so exciting. Isn't that wonderful? No, no, it's not wonderful until you've been there. Stories about Jesus are wonderful, but they become unbelievably awe-inspiring, life-transforming when you meet him. But he's rough. Let me just say this. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild is a kid's prayer. I learned that when I was a child. But I worked out that Jesus is not always gentle Jesus. He's always good for me, Jesus, but not always gentle. Listen to what he says in verse 25. This is two confused guys, right? And he's, this is his opening sort of torpedo. How foolish you are. Now, at this point, he's a random stranger they've met on the road. If you're like walking down the main street of Handorf, arm in arm with Julie, and some random nutcase walked up to me and started asking me questions and said, you're a fool. I wouldn't take too kindly to that. But sometimes, what's my point? My point is sometimes Jesus has got to confront you and me with our stupidity. Maybe your arguments about why you're not a Christian, you think are rock solid. Well, I'm an atheist. It's like, well, I hope your argument is rock solid. Problem is, Jesus might look in the eye and say, you're a fool. It's not like, oh, there, there, you'll get it. Let me, let me surround you with my warm, loving arms and big, fuzzy beard. And, and, my, and, my, and my blue eyes and see whether we can change your mind. He might just look you in the eye and say, mate, you're an idiot. Because some of us need a wake-up call. 
Some of us need to understand that our rock-solid reasons to not believe are a whole stack of, like a house of cards, could come down an instant. Something massive could crash into your life and you'd be crying out like anybody else, God, help me. That's a good prayer. But it's a bad prayer to get to that point if that's the way you meet him. He's inviting you to meet him this morning. Not with the pressure of a torpedo coming or an imminent bus crash or some other tragedy in your life. He's just in this message saying, hey, not not only am I not in that tomb anymore, not only am I not in that tomb, I'm actually here. This is 2,000 years later. The Holy Spirit of God is a pretty good mate of mine. He's here in this meeting right now, knocking on your door and asking you this question, does Jesus live in a museum? Is he still in the instruction book? Maybe you could recite scriptures off by heart. Not likely you could do that and not be a Christian, but there's plenty of people who've studied the scriptures for reasons unknown to me that have been to refute the scriptures and to build a case and an argument against Christ and have found most of the way through that process they get convicted. This, This thing, the Bible, was a tough book. It'll rip into you. Mostly lovingly. But sometimes the message is confronting. Bruce, you're a liar. Or Bruce, that's not being honest. Or Bruce, you got this facade up. Why have you got that facade? Oh, it's just, oh, I don't trust people. They might say things that hurt me, so I just got this little bit of barrier up. Jesus is going to look me right there and say, okay, starting right now, why don't we put all that stuff away? Why don't we just start peeling that those layers off because I'm the, the truth people need to see the truth when they speak to you Bruce they need, don't need to hear truths they need to meet me he's relying on you like you're relying on me to be the carrier of the truth that's not facts it's not information it's not theological treaties it's not, it's not knowledge it's him He's a person, and he's a real, and he's alive. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. My voice is cracking up. It sounds very sexy, I'm thinking. <laughs> we'll put... <laughs> oh, I didn't mention the other, that thing, that's called delusion as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your wonderful encouragement about that. I'm going to go home and cry now, but it's okay. So I actually have got three points in this. Uh, this message is nothing like my notes, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I love the fact that Jesus is not dead. I love the fact that we're not in a religious moment where we're commemorating a guy that was nice that died. We're in a church service today because we believe in a God who loves us and is still leaning everything in heaven towards us so that we'll meet the truth. If you're here this morning and you know an awful lot about church, you've been around church, church beat you up, such and such happened. I mean, the media loves to portray church as the sort of, yeah, anyway, it's not true. 
what they say. There's truth about certain aspects of certain things that certain people have done, but that's not Jesus. How loud do you have to shout that from the rooftops? Jesus is awesome. Mm, some of you think that's okay. No, I've got to tell you, you couldn't meet a nicer guy. It's just that he might be a bit rough with you. He might just literally tap you on the shoulder and say, well, how about it? How about it? How about just shaking that thing up a little? How about stopping that sort of conversation before it even starts? How about shutting down those kind of thoughts? Uh, which thoughts? Oh, don't give me that. That's what Jesus would say to you. As if you can show sort of a facade to him. He looks straight through it. He's not put off by my games. He's, he's relentlessly wanting me to put everything that I've got on the table in the way of camouflage down so that he can come in and bit by bit change me so that I actually do represent him accurately. I'm never going to be perfect. None of us in this room is. So I'm always going to misrepresent him somehow. He's put a lot of trust in us, however, because he is the truth. And he wants us to present him uh, authentically up as much as we can. So I'm talking to people who've been Christians for years in this place this morning. You've got a job to do. Keep making room for the, the truth. Keep making room to be authentic. For those of you who may be thinking, well, I'm not sure that I actually have met Jesus on the inside personally, the way that you're kind of talking about it, Bruce. But I'm really keen. I know a little bit about, well, if I don't give my life to Jesus, what happens to me? I've been asking those sorts of questions. It's like, well, let me give you the good news. You don't have to get all the answers to those questions. You just have to meet him. You've got to meet Jesus. If you've come to church this morning because it's Easter, um, or because you come with family, I'd go, don't ever underestimate how much work God's been at behind the scenes to focus your attention to get you here. Oh, why is that? Oh, so we can sing some songs. So you can listen to Pastor Bruce talk. No, no, no. It's so you can meet him. 